Good morning. This is Tom Dunlap with another episode of the Black Letter Podcast's Monday Morning Minutes. Today, we're going to delve into the complex world of underwater salvage law. We'll dive in together to plumb the murky depths of the law surrounding the right to treasure. So, oceans cover 70% of the Earth's surface. They've been the keepers of mysteries, histories, and treasures for all of human history. What happens when these treasures are found? So, who owns the rights to them? Who do they belong to? Who has the right to retrieve them? I've been a huge, or was, a huge Clive Cussler fan uh, my entire life. And when I was younger, and I used to read his pop fiction books like uh, Eating Candy at a Movie Theater, a lot of his books centered around some kind of massive archaeological discovery, often underwater and involving diving. And the star of those books, uh, I think it was, uh, what was his name? Dirk Pitt always came away with some amazing new piece for his collection. A little weird there, right? So let's talk about who actually owns this stuff. So there's two primary conventions that guide underwater salvage in international waters. The first one was the 1902 Brussels Convention that was an early attempt at codifying salvage law, followed by the 1989 International Salvage Convention that expanded on that, and it emphasized rewarding the salvor based on their efforts to recover the stuff that was found and the salvor's efforts in, at environmental protection, balancing those things. So generally speaking, the salvor, that is the organization or person that's recovering this lost treasure, has a claim to reward based on the value of the stuff they've recovered. The size of the rewards influenced by factors like how risky it was for them to recover it, the value of the property that was recovered, and the environmental considerations. And that's the 1989 Salvage Convention. Those rights, of course, balanced with the rights of, say, for example, the country or territory where the salvage shipwreck is found, uh, and the rights potentially of the original owners of the property. So there are jurisdictional disputes, there are disputes over archaeological and historical sites. UNESCO's 2001 Convention on the Protection of Underwater Cultural Heritage argues completely against any commercial exploitation of historically significant sites. And of course, who determines what's historically significant? So I dove into this a little bit more by finding a sort of famous case which intrigued me. It's the so-called Ship of Gold case in the news. This was about a ship that sank in 1857 off the coast of the Carolinas, the SS Central America, and it's a study in what happens and who has salvage rights. There were 21 tons of gold on that ship in the form of gold bars and coins, and it actually, the sinking of this ship and the loss of this money, it's money straight from the California gold rush, caused a panic, a financial crisis in 1857. In 1988, we fast forward and Tommy Gregory Thompson and his company Columbus America Discovery Group discovered the wreck. They recovered the gold bars and the coins, and some people invested in his company to help him do that. Almost immediately, you guessed it, a legal dispute arose. Who owned the gold? So the state of South Carolina laid claim because it was in their territorial waters, and a number of insurance companies that are still around that had paid out claims back in the 1800s and lost gold claims rights. And the discovery team, of course, Thompson and his company, CADG claimed rights in the gold as well. In 1992, a U.S. district court ruled that the finders of, kind of finders keepers, Thompson and CADG were entitled to the vast majority of the value of the recovered gold and the recovered gold. They recognized the rights of the salvers over the insurance company, which had largely abandoned the claims in the previous century. 
The litigation continued for years, and it's interesting because it addressed not only ownership of the treasure, but concerns related to the investors who'd funded Thompson. In a kind of side note, just because it's interesting, Thompson actually became a fugitive in 2010, evading his investors who were trying to pin down the remaining gold that he had taken and was eventually apprehended in 2015. Anyway, the whole point of this is underwater salvage is interesting, it's complex, and it's a neat subject for a Monday morning minute. The saga of the SS Central America sidewheel paddle steamer underscores the complexities of underwater salvage law and the multifaceted disputes involving salvers' rights, historical claims, investor interests, and the enormous value of sunken, buried treasure. Thanks for joining me on this Monday Morning Minute. I hope you have a great week. 